Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. Looking ahead to round seven of the 2020 Formula One Championship due to be held at the historic Spa-Francorchamps circuit. Widely popular with the fans, Harid and Samuel Sage alongside me. Guys, are you excited for this one? So excited. You know what? I had a weird thought a minute ago. Why can't we get Craig Charles to introduce our podcast like he used to do for Robot Wars? Wouldn't that be so awesome? <laughs> I mean, Ben does a good job, but yeah, Craig Charles would be really, really cool. It would be really cool. I'm not too <laughs> proud to admit that Craig Charles would do a 100 times better job than me in this respect. So, you know, Craig Charles is a god. Anyway, back to F1. Yeah, back to F1, where tonight we'll be looking at what the best drive of the season has been so far. We'll each be putting forward our candidates in that respect. The calendar has been set for the rest of the season, so we now we now know it will be 17 rounds in total. Four rounds were very recently added this week. We'll be discussing those. Uh, but our main topic tonight is looking at the race ahead, previewing the Belgian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen obviously in need of a win in order to keep Lewis Hamilton in check. That Mercedes, though, looking very, very strong. And wouldn't you know, for what seems like the 50th consecutive race weekend, there is a chance of rain that will definitely not come to reality. Um, <laughs> and the question does revolve around rain. It looks as if it is uh, at least a likelihood this weekend. Who knows? The spa, the spa weather is a funny one, isn't it? But Sam, do you think that a rainy spa gives the edge to Verstappen or do you think the edge in that respect lies with Hamilton? Oh, I mean, you're asking me. It's like it's like comparing a bourbon and a custard cream when custard. you're dunking in your tea. There's no like... comparison. It's bourbon, bourbon oh, all day long. Off. Right there you, go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. The point has been proven. I never need to make a metaphor ever oh, again. Have we literally proven a point that he's made? Thank oh. you. Thank you. That's it. Keep breaking late. See you later. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a, a moment of overjoyness for me. Um, they're so good. They're so good in the rain. Just like both those biscuits are so good dunked in tea, you know, and it will spark debate for decades to come. Which is better, the custard cream or the bourbon? And it's very much like Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton in the rain. Um, they're so good. And they are so, so, so good in comparison to their teammates, the rest of the field. Max Verstappen's dragging that red ball out of literally nowhere. No, like one minute, it's just Max Verstappen standing there. You turn your red, turn it back. Oh, he's got a red ball. Where's he grab that from? No idea, but it's there now. And he's doing a bloody good job with it. Lewis Hamilton is so good in the wet. Like... How rarely does Lewis Hamilton put a foot wrong when it comes to, or a wheel wrong when you're driving a car? When it comes to wet weather, look at the steer. Was it the Styrian Grand Prix? Yes, it was the Styrian Grand Prix. He beat his teammate by a second in qualifying. One whole second, which is the famous expression goes, a second in, quali- in Formula One is a lifetime. I'm sure Crofty would say it even worse than I managed to. But honestly, those two are, I think, the creme de la creme of wet racing when it comes to motorsport at the moment. They know how to handle so much better than everything else. Max is brilliant on that karting line. Max understands that there's just a whole different way to drive the track when it comes to wet weather. Lewis Hamilton, though, seems to be able to do whatever he wants. He seems to be able to go and make a cake, and then he'll pop over to Thorpe Park and go on a roller coaster, and then he might visit his mum, 
because he loves his mum. And then maybe he'll get another tattoo and do, and do some piano with Chris King Aguilera because no one thought it was him on that track, right? Wink, wink. Um, and then he'll still win. He'll still be 10 seconds in front of everyone. I don't know what Bottas has done for that race, but Hamilton, clear and gone. See you later, mate. Cheers. I can't separate them. I think that Hamilton will have the advantage because of the Mercedes. But I think if you were to put them to the same team, I reckon Hamilton just down to experience. That is literally, I think, the divider. Hamilton has it out of experience. And because we know that you can rely on him in the wet when Max is... I mean, he's still young, right? He's younger than I am by three years. Um, so, yeah, he's brilliant. He's fantastic. I think Hamilton just gets it due to the amount of time and understanding that he has a wet weather driving an F1 car. And he's got the Mercedes on his side, which is, is just... It's great. It's bloody brilliant. It's like the Hobnob. It's like the Hobnob. Thanks. Managed to put a third biscuit in there at the end. Fantastic. Um, Bourbon lover, what, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I will not hear you say a bad word about a Bourbon. Um, I agree with Sam, unfortunately. Uh, I think Hamilton would just have the edge. In terms of will Hamilton and Verstappen have an edge? They'll have an edge over the rest of the field. I think Sam's right. Those two in the wet are just... They're the best out there. Um, I, for me, I get uh, Verstappen is like Hamilton was in the wet uh, when you know, Hamilton was in you know, 08, 09, that kind of territory. And I think eventually Verstappen will be as good as Hamilton is now. But obviously, they're at very different points in their careers. So uh, Verstappen's still got a bit of that lariness and he's still ragging that car. And yeah, the other car is probably it's not as good as that Mercedes. But um, yeah, I think if it's a fully wet weekend... If it's a, if it's like a downpour all the way through the race, I would give it to Hamilton. If there's some changeable conditions, you know, there's a bit of strategy at play. Then the Red Bull definitely coming to their own there, and and Max is going to be quick in the wet. He's going to be quicker whatever condition he's in. But um, yeah, I I agree with Sam here. I'm going to give it just to Hamilton, especially if it's a really fully soaking wet weekend. What a sensibly made point. Thank you. That's, that is rare. Yeah, I have to be honest. I didn't listen to a word you said because your words mean nothing to me now that you've said <laughs> that a bourbon is better than a custard cream, but I digress. Just these. That's such a Ben comment. Anyway. Such a custard cream comment is what you mean. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to get embroiled in this. I'm actually going to talk Formula One for a change. Boy. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, you make the right points. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are both brilliant when it comes to wet weather conditions. Although I would say in that respect that Max Verstappen is brilliant in wet weather conditions. But Hamilton, again, I think is on another level. I think Hamilton is probably in contention with Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher as the greatest wet weather driver of all time. He is brilliant Ooh. and very, very rarely puts a foot wrong. I mean, you, you can look at Germany, of course, last year where he did, but... I mean, the, the instances where he does put a foot wrong in, in wet weather conditions, it's rare. It's very rare. Um, and just look at his record at Spa when it comes to wet weather conditions. You remember that qualifying lap he put together, I think it was 2018. Um, he was on pole by an absolute mile. 2012, he won there. That was changeable conditions. I think there was a bit of rain at the beginning and at the end of the race in that one. Um, and I, you could even go as far back as 2008. Uh, he due to a contentious penalty, he didn't win that one, but at least on track, he ended up winning again in wet conditions when they had the downpour at the end of the race. So he has had previous good results at the circuit in these conditions that we're talking about, but that's not to take anything away from Max Verstappen as well, because I still think Verstappen, 
as you rightly say, would have the advantage over the rest of the field in that respect. And I include Valtteri Bottas in that. I include his teammate, of course, um, and everyone else too. Um, Verstappen is very, very good in the wet. But if you do go back to if you do go back to steering qualifying, the gap between Verstappen and the rest of the field was big. The gap between Hamilton and Verstappen was big, and I, I think I'd back Hamilton if if the conditions are that way inclined. I mean, Please let it be moist. <laughs> yes, I mean, we all know what's going to happen anyway. It, it's going to be fifty percent chance of rain. It's going to be raining at the water park, and it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, we're looking at, let's just say it's a dry race for the moment. Obviously, no idea at this moment in time. They're going back to the tyres that Verstappen won on in the second race at, uh, at Silverstone. So do you think in that respect, Sam, that Mercedes would actually want it to be a wet race just in case the tyres do perform in a very similar way? 100%, right? Like that... Hot weather and softer tyres are literally the two things that make Mercedes... Oh, no, sorry, and 1940s outfits. They are the things that make Mercedes literally implode as an F1 team. If you put Toto Wolff in Lederhosen, the team will immediately crumble and go bankrupt. So I'm, I'm <laughs> praying for them, to be fair, that, that they can survive it through the weekend because it's going to be tough for them. Um, there are rumours that uh, Toto is in a Lederhosen shop as we speak. So, you know, hashtag God bless Mercedes. Honestly... If I was Mercedes, I'd be hoping for wet weather. Both their drivers are good. Hamilton is groundbreakingly good in the wet. As you've said, they're one of the best of all time. And Bottas is no slouch when it comes to wet weather. He can pull out a very good performance. He will be able to bring that car home, theoretically, in the top two or three, especially with how good that Mercedes is. But when it comes to the dry and you go into those softer tyres, they just struggle. They can't keep the car running at the right capacity. Um, Bottas doesn't seem to be able to pull it together at all. We've seen multiple punctures from Bottas in the past. Hamilton got past him on the same strategy as Mangish differently uh, previously as well. And Red Bull, Verstappen, maybe not Red Bull, absolutely come alive on those softer compounds. They make it work. And Hannah Schmitz with those strategy courses would have been brilliant when it comes to these opportunities. So, yeah, if I was Mercedes, I'd be looking at my shoulder a little bit if it comes to this. I'd be a little bit nervous, a little bit worried. Um, I do think that Mercedes will still be able to make the best of a bad situation. They always have done. I wouldn't be shocked if Verstappen does win the race that you see Hamilton and Bottas second and third. It wouldn't surprise me. Realistically, apart from seven points in the driver's title, what have they lost there? Mercedes will still be leading the constructors by an absolute mile. So I still think it looks pretty good for Mercedes. But yeah, I do think they maybe need to give it a little extra thought to what they usually would. Harry, do you think they need to be concerned at all when it comes to tyres? It's definitely going to be in the, in the back of their mind, isn't it? But um, yeah, like Sam said, they, they tend to make the most of a bad situation. And even when, you know, they were concerned uh, at the second uh, Silverstone race, they still came away with the double podium despite not winning the race. So um, it didn't go that badly for them. Uh, yeah, they, they'll be concerned. But I mean, you would think it's the same tyres. I don't know if it's going to be particularly hot this weekend, if it's you know, rainy or threatening, but... Um, you, yeah, you'd say, well, Red Bull must be fancying their chances. But you know, we said that about Spain when it was going to be hotter, harder tyres, admittedly, but they, they just couldn't keep up with Hamilton. So, um, or Verstappen couldn't keep up with Hamilton. Um, so, yeah, Mercedes will have it in the back of their mind. You know, since that race at Silverstone, they could well have found a way around that problem. Um, but, you know, it's just something to, you know, keep them keep them on their toes, which is what we like to see. Yeah, I 
I think it's something that they should at least bear in mind, considering you know, they didn't win the last time we had these tire compounds. And I think overall they will probably be okay. In that, you know, the, the the temperatures it doesn't look like the temperatures are going to be anywhere near as high as they were for that second Silverstone race, which I imagine was at the very least an equaling contributing factor to their demise. Um, as well as the the actual tires themselves. So if you take out half of the uh, half of the reason that they didn't win, then you, you know you're increasing your odds. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think they should necessarily be uh, be terrified, but something that they should bear in mind. I'm sure they've done they've done work on this. You know, Mercedes are such a professional outfit; they're they're going to be prepared for all eventualities. So. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think they'll be desperately wanting a wet race just to avoid the dry tyres. I think they'll be happy either way. Uh, moving on to Ferrari, because they have struggled this season, to put it mildly. But in particular, they've struggled in terms of the straights. And um, it's Spa. There are a few straights there. So... <laughs> Do you think, Harry, they're going to be in a spot of, spot of trouble? Do you think they could go as low down as maybe the seventh fastest team, considering their lack of speed in a straight line? Yeah, I think this race and the next one in Monza, the home race, which is going to hurt, is, is <laughs> going to be painful for them. Um, you know, last year and the year before, uh, Vettel and Leclerc won in Spa, and it was pretty much down to this Ferrari speed on the straight. I mean... Uh, Vettel took the lead on lap one from Hamilton, just blew past him on the on the camel straight, and Leclerc managed to hold off Hamilton for the entirety of that race last year. So, um, yeah, and they don't have that anymore. And I'm not saying they were going to challenge anyway, but it's going to be really tricky when they've got you know Red Bull with a Honda engine that's quicker, and then you've got McLaren, Racing Point, Renault, all chasing on the hills with engines that are quicker than that Ferrari engine. So. Yeah, I think it's been a painful weekend. I would not be surprised to see some very low downforce setups on that Ferrari, which won't please them, I'm sure, for sure, because you don't want completely low downforce in that middle sector. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a painful one. We'll see how they go. I mean, both drivers have won. They've won the past two uh, races at Spa, so they've got definitely got form. But, um, yeah, I don't expect great things from, from Ferrari this weekend. I mean, same question for you, Sam, and, and just to put another question in there as well. Would you be surprised to see a double Q2 elimination for Ferrari? Why have you already ruined my bold prediction? That Yes, Ferrari will both be out in Q2. There will not be a Ferrari in Q3. That was my bold prediction. You've heard it here nice and early. Welcome to the world of Sam's brain. Ferrari engine power cars will be the slowest on the track. And I believe that Ferrari might be the only powered car by them to make it out of Q1. Um, and I think this could be the first time in a long time where we see two running Ferraris not make it through to the final part of qualifying unless there is some kind of DNF or penalty. And I think that's the same with points. I don't know how many points they're really going to grab either. I think they're really going to struggle around here. Leclerc, fair play to him, has been driving the wheels off that Ferrari. He's done really, really well. And Vettel seems to slightly be easing back into things. He did well last time out um, and he managed to hold off Bottas as well the time before. Um so, you know, it's looking up a little bit, but I don't think they can they can change the power output of that Ferrari engine that much that it's going to start rivaling with the likes of, you know, the racing points. Even the Williams in a straight line, you know, are, are beating the Red Bull, have got that Honda worked so well. 
But Renault seems to just be all right this year. You know, seems to be fairly consistent, not as good as the Honda, but definitely better than, than the Ferrari. So I, I don't know where it's going to come for them. They're not good in corners in comparison to the rest of the grid. And now they're not good on the straights. So I don't think it's going to be huge. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, you know, a second between their entry into Q1, into Q3 rather. But I think it's going to be like, you know, Leclerc 11th, Vettel 12th, driver at risk, and they get knocked out in the last moment. That's how close it's going to be. But I would be somewhat surprised if one of them properly makes it into Q3. Yeah, um, I'm worried for them. I, I think they are going to struggle here. And I would not be overly surprised to see them as the sixth or even the seventh best team. I wouldn't be surprised if Alpha Tauri, if they get their act together ahead of Ferrari, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Renault ahead of, of Ferrari here as well. So, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm, I'm predicting this, but I would not be incredibly surprised if one of them struggles to make it through q1 like if if a willy if someone like george russell or or kevin magnuson can string a really good lap together and one of the ferraris doesn't hook it up you like say i'm not predicting it but at the same time it wouldn't shock me to the core like it would have done last season or in any of the previous four or five seasons so um yeah i think they i think they're in trouble perhaps even you know that they could at least have you know silver linings oh we can go on to the next grand prix i think they'll probably struggle even more at monza but who knows maybe they've magically managed to find another 50 miles an hour in their engine Ooh, where did that come from it's not gonna happen they're not gonna try it again would they we're not gonna get into that one anyway bloody hell the suspense came out i mean then (laughs) the suspense is probably killing everyone to find out what Sam's bold prediction is so we're going to get straight into that. <laughs> Sam, what what possibly could be your bold prediction? It's going to be a Ferrari one two. Wow, psych elimination in Q two. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I said it there. I it's, I think on a on a normal season that would be pretty shocking. I think that would probably be a usual biggest bold prediction of of the weekend, but. It's almost not that surprising at the moment that that is a possibility that it could happen. Um, I think Leclerc will really go for it. I think he's really going to try and put out the bag. I'm hoping Vettel gets it together. And for their sake, I do hope that they make it into Q3. But I'm going to go for the prediction that they don't make it into that Q3. They're both out in Q2. That's probably going to be a hard delta to see when coming out of the first sector and they see that they're like seven times slower than the top guys. Oh, dear. Never mind. Harry... King of bold predictions, commonly known. What are you going for? <laughs> uh, what was mine last time? I don't remember anymore. Who okay, cares? Right. right. It was wrong. That's all that matters, okay. isn't it? Uh, so my bold prediction for this weekend is that uh, Daniel Ricciardo will be in the top five. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like that. Good old Danny Rick. They struggled last time out as well, didn't they? So. They drew a, a good result. That's how it works in Formula 1, isn't it? You have a bad time last weekend. That is it. how it works, yes, yeah. Sam. <laughs> All right. Here's my, here's my bold prediction. Can't wait. George Russell will qualify inside the top 12. Ooh, blimey. My lord. 
And when I say, I say the top 12 just to give myself some insurance, I basically mean 12th. I, I don't think. Or we, <laughs> it could be third or fourth, but I'll play it safe and say top 12. I think it's probably going to be 12th. But that's my bold prediction. I think he's going to pull out a stormer. I mean, you love to see it. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if F1 race weekends worked as we predicted them, they would be literally incredible every time out. Yeah, Odds we say are... that before we all go Hamilton Bottas for Stafford for our top one, two, three. <laughs> well, let's see what happens in that respect. It is on to pole one, two, three. Harry, what have you got? Hamilton for pole, Verstappen for the win, Hamilton second, and Checo for uh, third. What? What? <laughs> Bit of Sergio. Bit of Sergio. Bit of Sergio. Well, if we've got these softer tyres this weekend. You know, it could be a crazy Grand Prix. Sergio loves to look after his tyres. I think the racing point will be pretty good around Spa, so uh, watch out, boss ass. Here comes the Sergio. <laughs> exactly. Please don't copyright us, Marvel. All right, Sam, what, <laughs> what have you got? Uh, Paul for Lewis Hamilton. The win, the big dub, the big W, boss man, uh, for Lewis Hamilton. Second place for Max Verstappen. And then third place... Lance Stroll. Oh, Lance cheeky. Stroll on the podium. Loving the racing points. Um, I am also going to go boring in qualifying. I'll say Hamilton's going to get pole. And I also think, as you say, Sam, big dub boss man, he's going to take the win. <laughs> <laughs> Max Verstappen will then be P2. And you know me, I love a bit of Checo Perez, so I'm going to put him in the top three as well. See you I'll later, bot, bot. See you later, bot, bot. You're nowhere, mate. Bye. Oh, poor Valtteri. This is before he goes and absolutely dominates this weekend. He is due one, to be fair. Oh, he's due it. Yeah, that's how it works, isn't it? We've just worked that out. He's due it. Yeah. Exactly. I think we've all got this wrong. <laughs> yeah, Bottas wins by two minutes and laps everyone twice. So earlier this week, the calendar was finalised for 2020. Uh, I made this comment when it was announced, but could you imagine showing this calendar to someone in January or February? It just looks <laughs> ridiculous from start to finish, doesn't it? Um, so it has been confirmed that the Formula One circus will be returning to Turkey for the first time since 2011. And then the season ends with a triple header. That's two back-to-back races in Bahrain. And then the season finale it's inevitable. It's Abu Dhabi still on the 13th of December. So one of the one of the latest finishes to an F1 season for quite a long time. Harry, how excited are you that Abu Dhabi will be closing the season once more? It's such a 2020 thing to happen, isn't it? Uh, I've, said, I've said this to you and Sam already, but all of the all of the carnage we've had this year, the calendar disruption, new tracks, old tracks. And we still have the finale in bloody Abu Dhabi. Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's not very festive. It's going to be on the 13th of December. I'm going to be sat watching it with my Christmas tree up. I mean, I just I just don't want it. But having said that, the position we were looking at, you know, in mid-April and the prospect of no F1 this year, I think to get... Abu Dhabi is race 17 on the calendar is a is a fantastic job and I'm happy that we have that a, a whole season I didn't even think I thought we got like 10 that'd be amazing so to have almost 20 is pretty cool even if it is Abu Dhabi 
which can still get in the bin. <laughs> yeah, that remains unchanged. Pretty much 17 races in six months. It's a, it's an impressive turnaround from F1 in that respect. Sam, what do you make of the last calendar editions? Abu Dhabi is not very Felipe, baby, is it? I mean, <laughs> it's like I've woken up. Oh, what a lovely morning. Turkey's on the calendar. Great to see you out there, sir. Uh, the paper comes in. Bahrain twice. Oh, fantastic, darling. Have you seen this? And you sit down at your table and there in your bowl on your dry-ass Weetabix is a big old spoonful of disappointment. Put that in your mouth and finish off your holiday. See you later, son. Honestly. What are you on about? (laughs) (laughs) It's finally cracked. I've finally broken him. Um, Turkey is brilliant. I mean, turn eight in... An F1 2020 car is going to be literally like walking up the corridor to go for a wee, isn't it? It could be more simple. Um, Bahrain is always fantastic. I think Bahrain is one of the most underrated tracks on the standard F1 calendar. It usually provides something very exciting to watch. So I'm pumped to have that twice round. I don't know if they're doing anything different with the tyres or the layout uh, because I just don't read. But regardless, it could be good. It's not going to rain there because um, it's the desert. But it still could be fun. And then Abu Dhabi. Uh, why? No, don't want it. Take it away. Put it in the corner on its own with um, disappointment. And bring back Snetterton. Thank you. Yes, I, I think a December race at Snetterton would be the ideal yes. way to, to end an F1 season, really. Uh, it's better than yeah. Abu Dhabi, that's for sure. I know we're we're pretty unanimous on this in terms of Abu Dhabi being rubbish, but it does seem as if we're... We're not necessarily anomalies, but I don't think its reputation is actually as bad as the likes of of Sochi and a few others, perhaps, um, on the calendar. I, I really don't like Abu Dhabi. I think I would mind it <laughs> less if it was in the middle of the season every year, but it's Brazil's place. Let Brazil yeah. have it. Just let it have it. It's where it goes. Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, um, so I'm not overly psyched about Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, two races at Bahrain. Um, I don't think there was. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do anything different regarding the uh, the circuit layout. I don't think tires have been confirmed yet, so there is that opportunity. There's also the opportunity they could do. Sorry, go ahead. I thought the second race is around the outer loop, but is that not school outer loop? I didn't think that was confirmed, but I might not, be wrong. That's highly likely. Not too sure. I know it's been highly rumoured, um, but I'm not too sure either way on that one. Um, Segway moment. Do you remember when we used to have a moment on the late breaking show where rumor, when we ever speak rumor, we would play <laughs> Adele singing "Rumor Has It." That was one of my favourite parts of late breaking. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Wow, absolute throwback there, courtesy of Sam Zig. Yeah, um, so they might even do a different... Who knows, they might do a different time of day. That'd be quite cool. Um, you know, you could have a have a race in the middle of the day and then have a... Which, you know, Mercedes probably aren't going to enjoy that. Um, and then a race in the evening. Um, and Turkey, obviously, love Turkey being back on the calendar. I did express my concerns in the last podcast that there might be um, a bit of nostalgia there and Turn 8 might actually be minced by these new cars. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I think it is still an epic corner, so I'm excited to see them go around there, particularly in qualifying. I think that could be very interesting indeed. I think overall, to be honest, 17 races in six months, I do think it's one or two too many. Um, 
I'm just thinking about the the team personnel here. Really, um, I I I said early on that they should be aiming for 15. I feel like any more than that was a bit of a stretch. But you know, if if they think they can, you know, if they think the personnel can do it, and they're they're not neglecting their wants and needs, and and not neglecting that, you know, they're traveling so much, basically doing three races every four weeks, then yeah, I've got it's absolutely fine. But yeah, excited, excited that everything is like solidified now. Everything's in place, um, and we know we know what we're getting. Seventeen races exactly, which, like you've said, Harry, remarkable. But considering where we were back in uh, back in May and early June. Moving on to our final segment of the day, then, um, and that is what we think has been drive of the season so far. So we've had six races to this point. Had a pretty. Had some pretty epic performances in there. Sam, what are you thinking? Do you have something that stands out to you as driver of the season so far? Um, no. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. I'm seeing a very silly mood this evening, if you haven't noticed, everyone. Um, I mean, Max Verstappen. <laughs> I did. I had two fish cakes for dinner with uh, potato wedges, mushy peas, and sweet corn. It's a bit of a mismatch. Very tasty, though. Very good. Um if you've got nothing else in the fridge, we'll recommend. Anyway, back to Formula One content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ben. Um, yeah, honestly, there's been quite a few solid drives this season, actually. Um, Max Verstappen in the second Silverstone. Yeah, sec- yeah second Silverstone race really stands out. Um, thought that was brilliant. He managed those tyres fantastically. He was calm. He sniffed that victory and he took it for his own. Um Lewis Hamilton being able to manage the the three wheeled Mercedes, you know, the reliant Robin that he had for that one race, just to show how good he really is across the line. I mean, I know it was only a, a, a lap, but it was brilliant. It captivates just how good he actually is. Um, Checo, when it came to that race around Austria, I mean, yes, he then had contact with um, with Alexander Albon, but uh, the race itself was genuinely brilliant. He drove so well, and it's good that he's safe and he's back in the car now. Um, and also Lando Norris has had a couple of absolutely brilliant ones as well. I think I'm going to give it to Max at that Silverstone Grand Prix. But there's no clear winner for me there. If you have said any of those, and I'm sure you guys are going to bring out something that I haven't even thought of. You usually do. But I could quite easily agree with it. I'm easily persuaded on most things. And yeah, lots of good. Lots of good. Lots of good yet to come, I'm hoping. Harry, what were you going for? Uh, I'm with Salmon here. I'm with Salmon? I'm with Sam here. <laughs> That's enough fish to um, for one night. Yeah, sorry, I've got fish on the brain. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm with Sam on this one because there have been loads of great drives already this season and not just from the top three. Sam has mentioned Max Silverstone, yep, Hamilton at Silverstone on three wheels. I mean, any of Hamilton's wins really have been... I mean, Spain, even Spain was was pretty mighty. Um, any of the times Charles Leclerc was on the podium, yeah. because that car doesn't deserve to be on the podium. Um, yeah, Norris around Austria, last lap Lando, he's another one. Um, Pierre Gasly, now I can't really pinpoint the race I'm thinking of or races I'm thinking of, but he definitely has had a couple of good runs. I'm thinking around Silverstone, can't quite remember. Um, yeah, so I throw him in the mix too, but I'm going to go for... Um, oh, also Vettel in Hungary. Thought he was pretty good there as well. Um, I'm gonna go for. I'll go for. I'll go for last lap Lando, but I'll go for the the 
Okay, for the second one, second one in Austria, not the one where he got a podium. But I miss Sam. There have been some fantastic drives already this season. Yeah, there have. Um, and you know, I I do the I do ratings after each Grand Prix, and I've found that I've already given out quite a few sort of nines and tens. Just that there have been some epic performances. Um, for me, there there are a few that stand out, um, and you have mentioned a few of them already. Uh, Lando Norris, I think his first race at Austria was sensational. Um, you know, he was coming off a year where he had a pretty good year last year, his rookie season, of course, against Carlos Sainz. Uh, and I think we just needed an indication that he'd made a step up and he was ready for, for that next step in his career. And he did so straight away. He needed to respond on that last lap. He needed an epic lap and he pulled it out of the bag. And I think it's proof um, of what a great driver Lando Norris is already but will definitely be in the future. Um, Lewis Hamilton, there's a couple for him. I think that Styrian race, um, particularly, you know, the qualifying effort there was was fantastic. And his race in Hungary was very good as well. Um, and the one you picked as well, Sam, Max Verstappen's win at the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Uh, I'm going to pick up another one that hasn't been mentioned so far, uh, and that's Kevin Magnussen at Hungary. I thought that was a sensational drive from him. Oh, yeah, good one. Uh, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick that one because you know, it's it's easy to say that strategy gave him that point, um, and I, I would say that's true to a degree. You know, if he, if he did if he wasn't on that strategy, he probably wasn't scoring any points. Um, but it's it's something we often raise is that strategy can get you in the position to get the result. You still need to execute it yourself, and that's what he did. If it was that easy to s- secure the point, Roman Grosjean would have done it as well. There's a reason Roman Grosjean finished. 15th in that race and he dropped like a stone as soon as faster cars uh, came up behind him. Kevin Magnussen did a fantastic job of defending from the guys that he needed to defend from uh, and letting a few cars go past without too much of a fight when it was necessary and that's why he stayed in the top 10 and I mean he, he ended up finishing 9th and only had one point in 10th because of the penalty that was applied but I don't think you can blame that on Kevin Magnussen himself um so yeah i'm gonna give i'm giving to magnuson that was uh that was a really great effort and just to say actually last point on that only one car retired from that race so it's not as if he ended up in the points as a result of a few of the top guys dropping out it's just box office all day long get your tickets while they're up box office magnuson gotta love it (laughs) all right i think uh i think we'll call it a day there then sam if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here well, I'm sorry for the ridiculousness that I've caused in this video and thank you for putting up with it. If you've made it to the final loop, uh, I really appreciate it. Share the podcast, uh, subscribe, download, join, whatever the word is that they're using on all the different channels these days. I'm getting too old to remember. Please do it. We massively, you don't understand how much it genuinely helps us as a trio here to uh, to continue to grow. It is massively huge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to be back, of course, after the race for the race uh, review. Please get involved with it. Get over and talk to us on Outlook Breaking. Chat to us on YouTube. It means a lot to us. So we're, we're happy to have you around. Thank you so much for joining us on this little journey of ours. But in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Jackie X. And remember, oh! keep breaking late. <laughs>